Alright everybody, let's get this show started. You are listening to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. This is the Thursday edition and you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key, out of Noonan. And we have got a fantastic show for you today. I hope that everybody has a safe Memorial Day weekend. I know that I'm actually going out of town and I'm not coming back until Wednesday. But the show is going to continue to stroll along. And we do have a jam-packed show. There was no basketball last night. The very odd circumstances. But the Braves do get the win over the Dodgers. So they avoid the sweep. The Florida Panthers sweep the Carolina Hurricanes and reach the Stanley Cup Final for the first time since 1996. And today is day one of the NAIA World Series. I'm actually going to be there this morning, and I will talk about the brackets. Who's playing who today in Columbus? And don't forget that I'm also... Recap in the decade of the 2010s, starting this week, I'm dedicated to 2010. Next week, I'm going to talk about 2011. Today, I am going to talk about the decision. And I know it didn't sit well with a lot of sports fans, especially me. All right, this is episode 631 on this May 25th, 2023. The Thursday edition of the Sports Beat, and let's go. Well, the Atlanta Braves, they defeat the Dodgers 4-3 to last night to avoid the sweep. Ozzie Albies drives in the winning run, and Rysel Iglesias picks up the win. It was tied going into the bottom of the ninth inning. The Dodgers out hit the Braves, but Ozzie Albies with a sacrifice fly in the bottom of the ninth, and Austin Riley scored. But once again, the Braves' bullpen gives up two runs in the eighth as former Atlanta Brave Jason Hayward drove in a run. Um, Am I seeing this right? The Dodgers have Jason Hayward and Freddie Freeman on their team? Unbelievable. Yeah, Nick Anderson, he had some trouble in the bullpen. He gave up the two runs, but the Braves are able to get the win. They avoid the sweep. You look at the standings right now, they are 30 to 19 in the National League East, and they are five and a half above the Mets and the Marlins. What is going on with the Phillies? They have lost seven of the last 10 But if you look at Major League Baseball right now, the Milwaukee Brewers are leading the Central. You got the Dodgers leading the West. And the surprise team is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're only a game and a half behind the Dodgers. Over in the American League, the Tampa Bay Rays have been the best team all season. And they have a 36-15 record. Baltimore, they would be the number one wild card team. They are 32 and 17. You got the Yankees, you got Boston, you got Toronto, all with winning records in the American League East. It's pretty tight in the Central. The Twins have a two and a half game lead over the Tigers. And then the Texas Rangers, with a 31 and 18 record, are leading the AL West. And the last time the Texas Rangers were any good, it was 2011. I'm going to talk about 2011 in next week's shows because that was another moment that was edge of your seat the rangers one strike away from winning the world series they have not been relevant ever since and now they're in first place in the al west this is awesome for texas rangers fans like i mentioned there was no nba last night but we do have a game five tonight 
the Miami Heat taking on the Boston Celtics. And I believe this is a coaching mismatch. I think that Joe Missoula is not ready to be a head coach. When they gave him the job, when Ime Adoka had all those issues, I felt the Celtics were going to drop off. I did not think they were going to be this bad defensively. Now, they are the better team than the Miami Heat, and that's why they won game four. But now, can they get another game in Boston? Highly unlikely. I think Miami closes this out, and they represent the East in the NBA Finals. Remember, the NBA Finals don't start until Thursday, June the 1st. We've got all week to talk about the NBA Finals, and it is going to be fascinating. You know that I love basketball so much. Basketball is really my second favorite sport to baseball. When I was a kid, I was playing baseball and basketball. WNBA, I did not get a chance to talk about the Atlanta Dream getting the win over the Minnesota Lynx 83-77 to in Minneapolis. A great road victory in the Dream are 1-1 one one on the season as Alicia Gray with 26 points. And now the Atlanta Dream will take on the Indiana Fever and the number one overall pick, Aaliyah Boston, in the WNBA's Commissioner's Cup this Sunday. You can catch this game on NBA TV. It's going to be at College Park, the home of the Atlanta Dream. And hopefully they don't black this game out because I would love to see the Atlanta Dream. I'm a huge fan of their rising star, Ryan Howard. And I would love to see the rookie point guard Haley Jones from Stanford to see what she can do this season. The NHL playoffs last night, the Florida Panthers, they beat the Carolina Hurricanes 4-3. to They sweep the series in the Eastern Conference, and they reach the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 1996. Matthew Kachuk had two goals, and they will await the winner of the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars, which will play tonight. Vegas has a 3-0 series lead. I got to look at the schedule and to even see when game one of the Stanley Cup final is going to be. Are they going to move it if Vegas sweeps? Because that would be the smart idea, is to flex their schedule, get all these games in before the NBA Finals start. Because it's set in stone that the NBA Finals are going to start on June the 1st. So why can't the Stanley Cup final move their games so everybody can watch hockey before the NBA final start? Just a suggestion. Anyway, I got great suggestions. I'm going to have a pretty good show today. I'm going to have Inside the Walls podcast host Zach Kyleman on the show. We are going to talk a little bit about the NAL and the USFL. Right now, the San Antonio Gunslingers have the best record in the NAL. The Jacksonville Sharks are actually on the road as they are taking on the Gunslingers this weekend. And all the drama with the Albany Empire. Is Antonio Brown going to suit up? Well, he said he is, so I'm looking forward to having Zach on the show. Right now, we're going to take our first commercial break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about the decision and what it did to impact forming super teams all over the landscape of sports. You don't want to go anywhere. This is the Sports Beat. We'll be right back. 
Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home, offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Find. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control, 34 Jefferson Street, Noonan, 770-954-9941. Want to give back to your community in a meaningful way? Cares for Kids is a Keller Williams Realty-founded charity in which 100% of money raised goes directly to children in need in our area. Cares for Kids helps fund local organizations like Angel's House, Coweta Casa, Elevate, and more. Help Cares for Kids reach their mission of serving 1 million children. Call 678-634-9770 today to learn more on how to be involved or text k for k Noonan to 44321 to donate. This week's Property of the Week is located at 688 Cheatham Road in Griffin, Georgia. This 32.14 acre track is waiting to find its new owner. This property features a three bed, two bath home built in 1890. An 18 by 28 utility shed ran with its own power and water, fencing for horses and other livestock, and timber such as pine, oak, and pecan trees. Call 678-634-9770 for more information. We are back here on the show. Uh, don't forget that I'm also going to be live from the NAIA World Series later today. I'm going to try to get some interviews. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to air that. But we're, before I get into the decision, I do want to talk about this bracket in the NAIA World Series. Of course, Columbus hosts. It's at the Common Softball Complex. I was at the event last year, got credentials and everything. It was important to me last year because my alma mater was in it. And they were the number three seed. Freed Hardman University lost to Indiana Wesleyan in that first game. And then they were in the loser's bracket. They were able to pick up two victories in the loser's bracket. And then they ended up losing to Science and Arts on Monday. So this tournament starts today. The championship game is going to be on Wednesday. So right now, 10 o'clock. The first game, Marion of Indiana is taking on Midland of Nebraska. All right? The second game, it will take place at 1 o'clock. Central Methodist from Missouri is taking on Baker of Kansas. And now the third game, Southern Oregon, the number four seed, taking on Georgia Gwinnett, the number fifth seed. That is going to be today at 4 p.m., I expect the fans to have a little bit more in the stadium because this is a Georgia team that is being represented in the NAIA World Series. And then the nightcap tonight, you got the number three seed, the Cumberlands from Kentucky. This is a team in the Mid-South Conference that knocked off Freed Hardman. They are taking on Science and Arts, Oklahoma, the team that knocked off Freed Hardman last year in the NAI World Series. This game is going to be at 7 p.m. One thing I've noticed, Oklahoma City, Mobile, and Freed Harbor are not in this thing. The top three seeds from last year are not in this thing. You got two that are awaiting the winners of the 8-9 and the 7-10 bracket. 
Oregon Tech is the overall number one seed. They will play Friday at 4 p.m. They will await the winner of Central Methodist and Baker. Our Lady of the Lake is the number two seed. They will await the winner of that first game that's getting started in a couple of hours, Marion and Midland. And that game will take place on Friday at 7 p.m. So tomorrow, you've got loser's brackets all day starting at 10 a.m. And it will go all the way up until the winner's bracket. And then you've got the semifinals on Saturday. And then Monday, you got you got the final in the winner's bracket. And then you, you're continuing playing in the loser's bracket. And then the championship will be Wednesday. So it's a great event. The Georgia Sports Council puts on a wonderful event. And I'm excited about being a part of it. And not only covering here on my podcast, covering the series, but also writing about it in the Chattahoochee Valley Living. You know, taking some photos, interviewing some people, passing out my business cards. That's what I love doing. All right, so all week I have been talking about the year in sports. Just going through the decade, this week I've dedicated this show to 2010. And so I talked about the Giants winning the World Series, the Green Bay Packers winning the Super Bowl in the 2010 season, Auburn with Cam Newton finding lightning in a bottle. You have UConn winning the NCAA tournament for the men. You have the Chicago Blackhawks winning the Stanley Cup, the Lakers winning the NBA championship. But you also have the decision. NBA free agency that started in July. And when LeBron left Cleveland, remember, Cleveland was a very good regular season team. They had early playoff exits against Orlando and Boston in 09 and 10. A lot of people were expecting the Cleveland Cavaliers to play the Lakers in the NBA Finals. Everybody wanted to see Kobe and LeBron. They even had commercials talking about it. But Orlando spoiled the party in 09. But LeBron, everybody knew that he didn't have help. He had to get a running mate in Cleveland. But Cleveland fans, and your typical basketball fan, didn't think LeBron was going to leave Cleveland. So in 2010, the Boston Celtics knocked off the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they went to the NBA Finals where they lost to the Lakers in seven. Up to this point, I know that LeBron entertained the idea of going to New York, Chicago, Miami, Cleveland, but the favorite to nab LeBron was still the Cleveland Cavaliers. All right, let's go up to the decision. This was a televised event. Jim Gray was the host. It was at the Boys and Girls Club in Cleveland. It was an hour-long special, and yes, I got sucked in and I watched it. At this point, Chris Bosh from the Toronto Raptors already signed with Miami. So I knew Miami was going to be good because they already had Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. And I was like, oh, Miami's going to be good. Remember, the Miami Heat lost to the Atlanta Hawks in five games, in a very lopsided five-game series. But that moment at the end of the special brought shockwaves to all the sports fans, and I did not expect it. But when LeBron said those words, that I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and join the Miami Heat, I felt so sick to my stomach. It wasn't the fact that LeBron was going to Miami. It was the fact that LeBron was going to form a super team with two other Hall of Famers, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and in Miami, which they have the NBA title, but there's really not a tradition 
for Miami being a powerhouse in basketball. They've been good with Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway. Pat Riley ran things down there. It was a very well-run organization. Still is till this day. But the decision really made a lot of sports fans who are traditionalists a little upset, ruffled some feathers. And then, a couple days later, Miami has a rally at American Alliance Arena and it's featured Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James. And LeBron gets on the mic and says, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. So basically, he promised the city of Miami eight championships. All right? And this is what the outcome was. First of all, Miami did not win those championships, the two championships they won. They didn't win those because of just LeBron, Bosh, and Wade. They won those because veteran, smart players like Shane Battier, Mike Miller, Ray Allen, they took less money to go there, and they were great role players that helped the Miami Heat win two championships. During LeBron's tenure in Miami, he reached the finals four times, played for the Miami Heat for four seasons. That first year, they lose to Dallas in 2011. LeBron disappears in the finals. And Dallas, with one superstar, by the way, Dirk Nowitzki was the only superstar on that team. Dallas wins the finals. And then in 2012, they're taking on an Oklahoma City Thunder team, which I felt that the Thunder could match up with the Miami Heat because they had Durant, Westbrook, and Harden in their prime. And then if it wasn't for a Ray Allen three, I think the Spurs beat the Heat in 2013, and the Miami Heat would only have one championship. So was that a failure? LeBron promising eight titles and only delivering with two? Well, if you're a Miami Heat fan, you're happy that you got the two titles. But anyway, I just did not like the decision. It did not sit well with me. And it's just a date that will go down and one of the most memorable moments of sports in the year 2010. All right, before I get Zach Kyleman here on the show, this was a news story that broke. Yeah, Phil Scoggins, Teresa Whitaker, Kenzie Beach, they all reported on it on WRBL. This was a news story, even though it's a sports story. The city of Columbus is entertaining the idea of bringing minor league baseball back to the Fountain City. Now, I have some thoughts on this. And I know this is not sitting well with Chattahoots fans. First of all, I love the Chattahoots. I don't think the Chattahoots are going anywhere. But if the city does come up with a plan to bring minor league baseball back to the Columbus, the question is, where do the Chattahoots go? I was just being silly on a message board. I said, bring back the Phoenix City Crawdads. No, that would be awesome if the Phoenix City Crawdads came back. The Chattahoots would not be playing in historic Golden Park anymore if minor league baseball came back to Columbus. But they would still be in Columbus. I honestly feel that they would still be in Columbus and probably would play at Columbus State. You look at all the teams in the Sun Belt, they all play at collegiate fields. The Atlanta Crackers play at Kennesaw State. The Atlanta Blues play at Georgia State. The Waleska Wild Things play at Reinhardt University. Look, I'm excited about the Chattahoots. They are very special. And if we don't get minor league baseball, this is the Chattahoots home. The, the Hoots are going to be fine playing at Historic Golden Park. It's just that I just don't know if it could work out 
with them playing at Golden Park if minor league baseball ever came to this city. And I know that a lot of people want that, and I get it. It did work out, but we have not had minor league baseball here in Columbus since 2008 when the Columbus Catfish left. So in theory, it's a good idea. I just think logistically, with what Ignite Sports has done pouring money into Golden Park, I think I would just be okay with the Chattahoochee just being here for summers to come. But that was an interesting news story that I saw on WRBL and just wanted to share that because it was also a sports story. A melancholy tribute to probably one of the greatest rock singers of all time. Uh, Tina Turner passed away yesterday at the age of 83. And you probably say, what does Tina Turner have to do with sports? I mean, she had a lot of songs that were sports songs. Simply the best? I mean, come on. I'm tributing this to Tina Turner just for that song, Simply the Best. Because that's a great sports song, especially when you're doing some sports montages. Yeah, Tina Turner's going to be missed. What's love got to do with it? I mean, I remember her. with She was in that movie with Mel Gibson, the Mad Max movie. You know. She's definitely going to be missed. An icon, rock and roll hall of fame, a true legend of music. You know, and I talk a little bit about music on this show as well because, you know, I'm all things to all people when it comes to pop culture and music. All right, we're going to go ahead and take our first. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to have Zach Kyleman from Inside the Walls podcast. And he also has a podcast dedicated to the usfl we'll be right back wishbone fried chicken is back in a brand new location 31 jackson street sweet a here in noonan same great taste the best chicken around fish dinners open monday through saturday 10 30 a.m to 4 p.m dine in take out it's wishbone fried chicken right next door to their former location bringing you the best chicken around so great. Wishbone Fried Chicken 31, Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Noonan. Got mold? Call the Mold Man. Specializing in crawl space and interior mold remediation, encapsulations, and basement waterproofing since 2019. The Mold Man team takes pride in keeping your family healthy and your home mold free. Visit our website, themoldmanllc.com, to schedule a quote or give us a call at 678-227-9763. Hey, sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show. Every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a Southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. We're back here on the Sports View with Richard Holdridge. 
I've got a guest that I'm really excited to talk about because since the Columbus Lions left the NAL, we haven't had a chance to talk, but it's Zach Kyleman. He's a host of a podcast called Inside the Walls Podcast. He also does a USFL podcast. There's a lot of drama going on in the NAL, Zach. What's been going on in the NAL? Uh, it's more really what's been going on with one team for the most part, and that's the Albany Empire. Um, honestly, Richard, it's just whatever whatever makes news for Antonio Brown is what you got to follow these days. And uh, as we've seen, he has a mind. It kind of kind of has a mind of his own. So you know, um, everything and anything I feel that's drama really comes out of the Capital Region right now. Is he going to suit up for the next Albany Empire game? He is definitely going to suit up for the next game. He has reaffirmed that at least three different occasions in the last week. Um, how long that'll be, I have no idea. But given that they have a brand new head coach and who knows who's going to be there or not, just because he was implying that he was going to be possibly getting new players again on Twitter, um, I suspect he is at least going to play most of this game. Uh, is what I am projecting right now. I, I just, he wants to play is what the deal is that it's his team that, or at least he is claiming it's his team. There's, you know, even drama around that whole situation, but you know, it's his quote unquote team. And he's kind of quote unquote, pulling the, uh, pulling the, all the stops out and taking all the shots. So, uh, he'll be playing. You'll see him suit up this week against the Fayetteville Mustangs in the MVP arena, uh, who's going to throw to him. I have no idea. Closest thing I've got is you see that he has been trying to get cam Newton and that sounds like at best 50, 50 right now from reports. So could be cam Newton could be somebody off the street. We're not sure right now. The best team in the NAL is the San Antonio gunslingers. And I'm not surprised they were the hottest team that should have made the playoffs last season. Uh, oh yeah. First of all, I, I want to say that, that that we miss being in the NAL. I'm calling games for the Columbus Lions. Have you been following the Columbus Lions at all in the AFIA? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I followed along with your guys' first win, you know, and uh, held, held it in there. Nice, uh, it was 74-56 last I checked for the score. So, you know, tune in for the broadcast. Broadcast looked great. You did a good job on there, I thought. So, you know, it was good to hear your voice. And, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Wish we wish we could have this where we could talk on a regular basis more often and that we were all in the NAL together too. But, you know, uh, things didn't work out that way. Um, although I'll be honest, I bet uh, ownership might be a little more happy that they don't have to deal with hearing about some of the uh, drama. But, you know, nonetheless, it's good to see you guys play. I'm, I've definitely been trying to keep up with my best. Getting a 1-0 starts, always happy uh, happy to see. And we've got to play the defending AFIA champions, the Mississippi Raiders, on Saturday. I will not be calling that game because I'm actually going out of town. I'm actually headed oh. to Jacksonville. I might run into Coach Gibson there maybe. You know, I'm just kidding. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm excited that Coach Gibson is is doing great things in Jacksonville. I mean, and that's, that's really where he needs to be. I mean, they packed that place. The MVP arena, 7,000 fans, and they love their Jacksonville Sharks down there. And, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, but yeah, I'll be in Jacksonville for Memorial Day weekend. I got Sports Vision's Thrift Behringer and Jonathan Shushke, also known as Buckets, who agreed to fill in for me on the broadcast. These are professional broadcasters in Columbus that are just going to have a great time. I mean, they just nice. want to call this game just because 
they're both broadcasters and they they do a radio show together and i'm just so thankful that us broadcasters stick together and i can get some fellow broadcasters to fill in for me at once once every while yeah no that sounds like a great opportunity for them you know, uh, I think that that should be a bunch of fun. And I mean, look, you're talk, you're basically preaching the choir, but about coach Jason Gibson, he has done everything expected of him going over to Jacksonville. Um, and I mean, give him credit. You know, it's funny. They, they picked up Sam Castronova off of some of the chaotic nature of releases from the empire previously. But even before this, you know, he recruited a heavily talented kid from Oregon state, Connor Blount, who was in the area you know, did the typical Gibson thing, did a great job recruiting his own guys, as well as a few stars here or there that are Sharks veterans themselves. And, you know, they, you can say right now, as much as I agree with you that the Gunslingers are the best overall team in the NAL right now, the Sharks do to me have the best offensive unit as a whole. And a lot of that comes down to Gibson's recruitment and getting guys in, but it also comes down to the fact that, you know, he's got some great talents that are working hard for him as always. Um, but yeah, it's awesome to see in terms of some of the chaotic nature of this year with some of the other things covering that, um, that is something that I'm super thrilled is that he is doing well in Jacksonville and he's been embracing it full heartedly, uh, since he's joined up with them. Zach, um, since the Lions left the NAL, I still follow the NAL because I'm on fan bases, uh, on message boards, and I was very impressed with what Raheem Kato did opening week. The Fayetteville Mustangs, he threw seven touchdowns, and I happened to see the game winner, former Lions quarterback Daniel Smith, as the West Texas Warbirds beat the Albany Empire in the last right. second. It was just great to see Daniel Smith do a great job. And Kerry Starks is on the West Texas Warbirds. And, and I just I love seeing these former Columbus Lions players do great. And, and what Rakeem Cato's doing in Fayetteville, it's just amazing. Yeah, dude, Rakeem Cato has been when he when he's been able to get in in and healthy, you know, he has been excellent. And he's had he had a hot start to the season. Uh honestly, what was really disappointing to me is that you know, he seemed to, he supposedly is healthy last week, but he gets benched in his play in James Summers plays in his place. Now credit, you know, that's not, that's a coach's decision. I have no control of that. And Summers is a solid backup quarterback, but that was surprising me because I agree with you. Keem Cato has been, I think one of the more electrifying quarterbacks to watch. He can throw on the run. He can throw in just these very awkward, but somehow it works type of angles. He's got a cannon for an arm. If he's in, in the pocket. He's a great quarterback. At least he's been a great quarterback. It's just that, you know, he's got, he's been slowly more and more learning the game and didn't get a chance to continue his progress this past week, which to me cost them their contest against the Carolina Cobras, which is a competitive, which should have been a more competitive contest and a crucial one for the playoffs early on, considering that they do have multiple battles with the Cobras and you drop it against another opponent that is upper echelon in the NAL. I want to see more of him because I agree. He's a great player. He, you know, I love what he did with Orlando last year when he was given time before he left, uh, just needed to figure some things out. And for the most part, when he's allowed to play, he's shown he's figuring more things out even better than last year. And he's got a great veteran cast around him too, to help along with that learning process. Zach, let's switch gears, go from the NAL to the USFL. You have a podcast that's dedicated to the USFL. You got the Birmingham Stallions, the defending champions, 
And don't overlook the Memphis Showboats. They're starting to make their push. I know that they had a slow start to their season. What Coach Todd Haley's doing down there, and that fan base. I've been to the Liberty Bowl. I went to a Memphis Tigers game back in the day. They could sure pack the Liberty Bowl, and it's great to see the Memphis Showboats back in the USFL. It is. And look, they had a rough rock. The Showboats this had a rocky start to their year. You know, being 0-3, having a 42-2 obliterating loss week two to the Birmingham Stallions, a tough week one loss to the Stars. And they flipped, they flipped the script defensively after they had a close loss to Houston, which, by the way, the Gamblers right now look like the best team in the league, which means you have two of the top teams in the league playing in Memphis currently. And they flipped the script defensively. They found some rhythm offensively with Cole Kelly. Todd Haley doesn't seem to be uh, going after coaches at, at end of game type of conversation. He's able to chill out and be his fun loving self. Uh, it's been great. And I'll tell you, Memphis, they really have embraced this team so far. I've met a lot of fun, a lot of diehard fans from Memphis from either talking online with groups or heading to the first gamblers game at week one, which there are a lot of diehard Memphis fans that showed up for that. Got to meet up with some folks and they're thrilled. The, the yacht club, as they're referring to themselves, uh, has come out in droves and it's been a great atmosphere. Um, I would say I would call it a slam dunk in terms of a market choice for the USFL, even though they had to give up Tampa Bay, they really did replace it with a market that was ready to take its own home team back. And one that liked its old branding and it's been paying off in droves. The showboats have been awesome and they're looking good too. Three and three, three straight wins and a crucial game against the gamblers. Funny enough this week. Zach, the state of the USFL in year two, they've gone to four neutral site games uh, in Birmingham, Memphis, Detroit, and then also in Canton, Ohio. But will the USFL get to a, a point where the Pittsburgh Maulers will finally have to have games in Pittsburgh, or the Philadelphia Stars, the, the fans will get to play in Philadelphia? I mean, do you think the league will get to that point? It will, and it's going to take time. The The whole motto of this that Daryl Johnston, the league's president, has stated since the beginning of this new revival of the league is that they want to use a crawl, walk, run mentality. Basically, they want to be able to be sure that they can establish roots and that may make a sustainable product before getting everything out there. Because remember, here's the thing. When you make a new league, and you jump to all these different arenas. Now, credit, it's great to be in hometowns. And I, I want them to be in all their home cities sooner rather than later. Because the more I've seen, like this year, when you see them in Detroit, I went to Detroit. Detroit was a great atmosphere. Even though the Panthers haven't won a single home game yet, they've been coming out for games at a regular pace out there. Memphis has been good too. And I love seeing more and more of these home stadiums getting their chance to show off their fan bases. Thing is, you got to do it responsibly in terms of a company growing it. That's the thing they're trying to do, because if you get all eight of them right out of the gate, you're paying a lot more millions of dollars to try and rent out these stadiums to do all this. And I know it stinks. The fan bases do kind of have to root on the side, but eventually they are, the plan is they're going to get to all eight of these, of these fan bases. They're going to get all their members out there. The plan, at least they've talked about, is they want to try and do it if they can get to all eight next year that's what i think they're aiming for um we'll find out postseason if that is financially feasible for them but i know next year without a doubt they are going to look at all the markets they're going to go to more markets even 
more so this coming year because they have to. They, they have no choice. They, you can't do three straight years of less than half your league being in markets. And there's ones that are justifying it as well. If you look at, for example, metrics that they monitor, like uh, merch sales, you go online to the USFL's shop. You know what one of the most re- most requested items is? It's New Orleans Breakers t-shirts. Breakers fans are some of the most diehard in the league. Uh, they have the mo- one of the best exposures online in the league, and they're also a good team. So New Orleans also does a great job locally. They have already local coverage of the team. Every week they have uh, John DiFilippo on there to talk with a local reporter on ABC uh WGNO, uh, I forget the channel name, and I used to work for the for the people who run the station, but nonetheless, they're going to get out there. It's going to be a process, but it's all about stability and the long haul, you know, because we don't want to see him die after year three, and right. I think that this is the best way to do it because I still get to watch football, and they get to grow as as fiscally and responsibly as possible. Zach, one final thing. Can the XFL and the USFL coexist in the spring with the XFL starting in February and the USFL starting in April? And could there be an opportunity where the the winner of the XFL, like the Arlington Renegades, could take on the Houston Gamblers in an ultimate championship? I think that eventually we may see that come to be. I, I think that there's a future where that happens because it's in the similar space right now. There's so much that needs to be feel kind of felt out with both of these two. I I think they can coexist. We saw in terms of like television numbers, ad sales and all that. We saw that both can coexist with each other in terms of TV ratings in particular, you know, they both were able to find their own battles with, with each other in their skews of the year. It's going to come down to, again, which one has the better business model and or do both have business models that work? I'm not because that's going to be key. Both of them are running it differently. Yes, the XFL has a hub, but it is one city and they're still flying out to all eight cities, or at least they're flying out to every city every week and that they are on, they are flying out minimally to go out to markets every now and then. there's no there's no dedicated rooms or buildings. There's no dedicated ticket sales in the cities they're all based out of arlington in terms of where they're starting so that's their business whereas you see the usfl it's got a hub system but they're choosing specifically when and where to go in doing it that way so that's going to be the big factor as well is you know who can sustain themselves to not to keep going to get more investments to get people buying teams that's going to be huge um within at least i'd say the first five years is you want to start seeing people getting interested in saying, Oh, this value, of this team looks great. I'm curious to buy it, you know? And so if you see that happening and both leagues can get that done, then that's awesome. That means we can have both of them succeed. And I think eventually it feels almost inevitable that a merger would come because it's, it's two of the same property. This feels like if you have them both exist, it's an NFL AFL kind of vibe where eventually it just makes more sense to kind of combine them than to be competing against each other. But we're still, we're still several years and many financial hurdles away from even considering if that is truly realistic. I think it does though happen if they both exist. And I think that they can coexist for the time being because we've seen the results and both television numbers for both sides, depending on how you look at it, they both look good. So I, I, I think it can work right now. It seems to be working for both right now. 
Zach has been amazing. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be a guest on the podcast. And it looks like you're ready to go, that you, you're ready to do your own podcast. But before you get out of here, tell all my listeners where they can find you on social media and where to find your podcast. We well, aren't wrong. I got to I gotta record the latest Inside the Walls with my buddy Jim Mernier because uh, we're doing a uh, we're doing our recap episode from last week called rebound called NAL rebound. Uh, so you can catch that over on your favorite podcast platform or YouTube. Look up in walls pod, pod inside the walls podcast. You'll find us. Uh, also, if you want to look us up on social media, use at in walls pod for all episodes and content related to that on your favorite platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and then us of all podcast, you know, those release every Friday. We'll give you a new episode with recaps, previews, stories of the week, new interviews. We got an interview actually with the showboat, uh, Derek Dillon, who just set the USFL kick return touchdown record of 109 yards this past week in Memphis. So you'll see an interview from him that I recorded today uh, coming up this Friday. So you definitely want to stick around for that and catch us at, at USFL podcast on your favorite social media platforms to stay in touch with the latest of the show. It was great having you on Zach. Uh, definitely uh, missed talking NAL with you. And uh, maybe one day the Columbus lions could make their way back to the NAL and we could definitely get you on the show more often. Likewise. And you never know, man, like I said, the, the world of arena football is, you know, and I know it is chaotic. Anything's possible. Um, so we'll see, you know, but I wish the best of the Lions. Seriously. It's uh, I always am happy to hear from the organization. I'm glad to see them doing well, you know, good first win. Looking to see you guys get that second one against the Mississippi Raiders here soon enough. Absolutely. Thanks Zach. No problem. Thank you, Richard. Oh, all right. That was Zach common. He is a host of a podcast called inside the walls podcast, and he has a USFL podcast. Thank you so much, everybody for, watching the show on Facebook Live and listening to the show on WQEE. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day and we are out of here. How do you make the most of your land? Everyone has their way. The Nelsons depend on their John Deere Gator XUV 835R to get from point A to point B with decoys and the dogs. As much as we got going on, it's all about efficiency. And if you ask the Mosers what they use their Gator XUV 590M for, they tell you. The most fun we have on the Gator is just repping around the property. There are millions of ways to make the most of your land. Learn how to make the most of yours at Deer.com. Nothing runs like a deer. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, and even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. I'm not going to lie. I know nothing about cars. And I don't really mind keeping it that way. This, it's cool. I called CarShield before my car broke down. Thanks to CarShield, I don't have to understand anything about what's broken because plans can pay for repairs on up to 6,000 parts of my car. Leave fixing cars to the experts and call CarShield before your car breaks down and maybe save some money for once. It's a thought. Call 800-579-6554. 800-579-6554. 
At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh, right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy. Because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.